Derek Dallas, you get upstairs right now. I will turn this car around right now. Welcome to the Go For Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. It's episode 60, folks. I'm Jenna Alike, and I am arm's length away from Brad Klein. We're here in person recording a podcast episode about week one. Week one is here. It is, or not here, it's finished, it's coming, it's gone. We're now into week two. So, but Brad, week one, football being back, how did it feel? Felt riveting. Ooh. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I mean, be a journalism student, right? I, I don't know. It was great. It was it was really good. I Good to feel alive again. You know, football is is just a really exciting time. Week one of, of the NFL season is one of the best. I would say it's one of the best weeks in a sports calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figure for first round of March Madness has to be up there. World Series is up there. Super Bowl week is up there. But week one of the NFL is a good time. Because you have to think about it like this. It's just the wait is so long, but it also comes with college football, right? Yeah. Like They kind of come together. So it's not just like the NFL's back. It's football's back. And I think that's why week one might be – I think it might – be higher than most people would put it just because the excitement everybody's tweeting everyone has you know their their twitter open to yeah. put out their special Ooh, it's nfl week one tweet out it's the most fun you get the most random upsets and everyone is optimistic everyone is starting at square one and just for sprinkles if you want to tie it into college football week one the ncaa just said uh oh, Let's do a nice thing and give college football fans good games week one for a change. Like Clemson played Georgia. Two years ago, that would have been unfathomable, right? So that was really cool. Week two was more of your mundane first three, four weeks of a college football season. So Saturday was fine. Sunday was needed. Sunday made it all better. It made that game you called Rutgers Syracuse <laughs> almost no touchdowns for. I got all the touchdowns. Really, it, I, you yeah. planned it, got planned out perfectly. <laughs> you did get all the touchdowns, but for a while there, it was knotted up at nothing on the scoreboard. Um, so, yeah, it was a little different when it came Sunday. Obviously, you were home as a fan rather than. A broadcaster, so that obviously makes things different, but also it's week one. So let's stop talking about how great week one was. Everyone already got their good dose of that because we're posting this right before Thursday night football, like an hour before (laughs) kickoff of Thursday night football against the Giants Giants and the Washington football team, which I'm going to say. Team that plays football. Yeah, and I'm going to say snore, but that's not what we're talking about right now. All right. We got some news and headlines. We're going to go quick with these. Can I just say something real quick? What's up? Yeah. We're posting this on Thursday night. People will likely listen to it after Thursday. If this game, quote-unquote, tonight against the team that plays football and the Giants is a good one, bad take by you. No, there's no (laughs) – I'm going to even dig into it a little bit. There's no way this is going to be an instant classic scenario. Oh, my God. I'm so going to repost this. Daniel Jones – Versus Taylor Heineke? This is reposted. There's no way. This if is you, me speaking well, to my future self. You're welcome. I All I have to say is we're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Ravens later in this doc. That is instant classic <laughs> material with the signal caller position. But let's overtime. just talk, let's it's just talk about... It's going overtime. No, this is absolutely absurd. But downside for the Washington football team, they might be excited about Taylor Heineke. I think he brings something 
that's a little bit, you know, he brings some youth, but they did have some experience in Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's out for eight weeks, but does avoid hip surgery. What What are your reactions? Why is why are Washington football fans happy and different? Like, what's going on with with them? Well, first of all, this is just another example of Ryan Fitzpatrick being a physical football anomaly, right? This is a major injury, and for someone of his age, I'm going to look up how old he is, but he's got to be upper 30s, right? Oh, Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick is ancient. You get a hip injury at any age, 38. Oh, my goodness. Hip What's injury, in the water in the NFL these days? Hip injury at any age is a major deal, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is saying, yeah, I know I need surgery. Let's just wait. Let's just wait till after the season. It's a long season. It's an 18-week season. And when you're in a situation, mm, this is a this is a flawed take right now that I'm going to put out there, but the NFC East has a lot to prove to us. They really were a dumpster fire last season, and they've gotten off to a good start. Yep. Dallas looked pretty good against the Bucks, and then we had the Eagles killed the Falcons. So it's a more competitive division, but still, like, the Washington football team is going to be able to compete. The Chargers are supposed to be good this year. They yeah. kept up with the Chargers with Fitzpatrick getting injured during the game and bringing in a less experienced quarterback. So I think the fact that he's willing to wait till the end of the season and maybe come back after eight weeks, that could be clutch for a team trying to make a late playoff push. And look, I, I don't know if this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's last year, but what I do know is it's darn near close, right? And, and Fitzpatrick doesn't want to miss it because of an injury that he can play through with rest and with rehab. So he's going to miss eight weeks, and he's going to try to come back, and he's probably not going to be 100%, but he's probably going to be able to contribute in a positive way to a team that I think we agree, kind of like what you alluded to with the Chargers, they have a chance to do something relatively special. Relatively, because there is a ceiling to what the, the team that plays football can do this year, and it's not the Super Bowl. But I think they could win a playoff game. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with Fitzpatrick. It depends how he comes back. I think this team is going to live or die by what happens when he's back. Because I think, again, Taylor Heineke brings something, and when he did play in the playoff game, it was interesting. But I think you need some experience. Let me ask you a question here. Some people think this is the beginning of the end of Ryan Fitzpatrick as a starter for the team that plays football because Taylor Heineke will take the jump and just not give it up. Do you agree? I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he did cuz again like he's been like pretty good like pretty good. He provides a spark that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't bring, but I think Fitzpatrick has the consistency. You know what you're getting every single time that he steps onto the field. So, an unfortunate inju- injury for Fitzpatrick. Hopefully he'll be back. Let's stay in the NFC East. We have the Dallas Cowboys. They played the Buccaneers. And they played really well. Dak Prescott threw for a gazillion yards, which makes sense because he did, you know, end up being the leading passer weeks past his injury last year. Yeah. He's, you know, has a great arm. What might be lacking is that run game. Where is Ezekiel Elliott? Ezekiel Elliott, if you're out there, where are you <laughs> at, man? Like, I feel like the collapse has happened so rapidly. He's 26 years old. He's not he, he hasn't hit the 30 
threshold mark yet, and he's just been nowhere to be seen. But he might tell me we that I should be studying a little bit more, understanding something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he has a bad game, goes for 33 yards on 11 carries, and just tries to tell the people that are criticizing him, hey, you don't know football. Well, my mom doesn't know football. She knows that 33 yards on 11 carries isn't very good. And basically his defense is, oh, you could still have a good game without putting up stats. He's making blocks, doing whatever. Guess what? Cowboys didn't pay you to block. They paid you to run and run into the end zone. And that's something that they haven't done with Ezekiel Elliott in quite a while. And Dak Prescott was paid after Ezekiel Elliott with the thought being Elliott's more important to the Cowboys moving the football. And now Dak Prescott last week, 58 pass attempts to Ezekiel Elliott's 11 carries, 403 yards in the air for Prescott, 33 yards on the ground for Ezekiel Elliott. Those, those margins, unacceptable. And Ezekiel Elliott can't pass up the, well, I'm a fullback week one, I'll be a running back week two. He can't sell that to anyone because no one's going to buy it. It's he's a, a third grader, maybe not third grade. When do you learn division? 33 divided by 11. <laughs> not three. Not great. No, exactly. So it doesn't take a football expert to see that he is just not not doing what he's been paid to do. Just like you said, if let's say Josh Jacobs, the Raiders star running back, if all of a sudden like against the Ravens, obviously guys we'll get to that. I know that's like what's really, you know, the elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned yet. But Josh Jacobs had a foot injury, didn't run, you know, didn't rush for a whole bunch of yards, but scored two touchdowns. All right, fine. If you're 11 for 33, with two touchdowns, fine. Fine. I don't care if you you run down the field. Score t- do something to contribute. Yes, blocking, you're contributing in a way. You know, but this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> this is such a ridiculous take from Ezekiel Elliott. I get that you're a little butthurt, but you came into the league, this flashy guy from Ohio State, and you fizzled out. So stop, you know, stop making excuses. Every single year, I feel like it's, Ezekiel Elliott looking the best he's looked. He's lost some weight. He looks fantastic. All right, let's see some results off this fantastic figure from uh, Zeke. Uh, I don't know. We'll Is see. he done? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think I think he's done. Um, I think he's past his prime, too. Which I don't know if he's done. He's past his prime. Past his prime. He might bounce. I feel like it's surprising that he hasn't bounced around a little bit more. You have players like, you know, Todd Gurley has been moving around a bunch. You know, yeah. really, you know, who backs who had a few good years. But let's continue down the list to some to someone that I'm tired of talking about, to be honest. Because my take's going to be the same every single time. We're talking about Josh Gordon. Nearing reinstatement? Brad, I think if we go through our rundowns. Oh, my God. The over-under, I mean, like, at least three times we've talked about Josh Gordon. And none of them have been of him as a football player. Yeah, none of them has been like, he's been really great, and he stood out to me on this play, running this route. No, none of that happened. So why are we still belaboring this? Josh, please, I want you to get, I want you to be great. But maybe great outside of this sport of football. Because we, 
I'm losing hope. And it's not fun to lose hope. Right. So I, I think the frustrating thing is that people understand what is valuable, and value is based on availability. The talent that Josh Gordon presents is not available, and that's why it's valuable. And even at 30 years old, there's a lot to like in him as a football player. And I think the NFL is probably the league most likely to sweep your past under the rug, right? Oh, yeah. So that's why he's getting chance after chance after chance. I think he's going to get signed. I do. But there has to be a limit as to how many times he can mess up. And the other thing is, you know, people listening at home are probably thinking, well, you know what? And this is a bad, a weird way to say it, but I'm going to say it. Not me. Some people are probably thinking, you know what? He didn't kill anyone. He didn't harass anyone. He didn't hit anyone. Other people are currently not, they're currently in the league, Deshaun Watson, for doing worse stuff. And I agree. Double standard. Bad. But there are rules. And whether you agree with them or not, you have to follow them, right? One of them is no weed. Don't smoke. You just can't, right? Especially during the season. And this is the same guy who smoked while he was suspended for smoking. What are we doing? Got to make wiser choices. You have to, in your mind, prioritize what's... Like, if you really want to get back and stay back, you have to make some sacrifices. That's what makes... That's what I assume makes a great athlete, right? Like, sacrifices are made your entire life. Yeah. I think in other sports it may be more prominent, but you miss out on things because you are focused on your sport. So why can't we have the same dedication? I guess it's different because now you're paid. But he's not. <laughs> so I'm well, confused. Well, with the Deshaun Watson stuff, and it's not a Deshaun Watson topic, but I think it it is a fair tie-in. Are you more likely to give Josh Gordon a second chance with the precedent of Deshaun Watson still in the league? Yeah, I I don't know. Like that the the whole thing's like complicated because it is a double standard. And the thing is, the difference is I very think, different too, situations. And Deshaun Watson yet to be convicted of anything. Like this yes. is all this is all alleged, so they can't do anything just yet. Granted, what's being alleged is horrible, and if you think about it logically, he most likely did it. But that's like that does we have proof that someone did something against the rules. We don't have proof that Deshaun Watson, sure. that's been played out in the court of law, that he has done it. So that's why he's still in the league. Is because why would we kick him out? He hasn't broken any rules, okay. technically. Yeah, that makes sense. Technically, he hasn't broken any rules. Josh Gordon has. Josh Gordon has. If you're an NFL team, are you signing him? I wouldn't. I know where it ends. But I think I agree with you that he would probably get signed. Because we're still talking about this. Okay. Josh Gordon wants back in. The other thing is he has no other option, right? Like, it's either the NFL or you're not playing football. Yeah, might as well keep trying. He's not going to the Canada, so. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, we talked a lot about things surrounding week one and week two, but now it's time to dive right into it. There was a lot to take away from week one in the NFL, so I ask you, Jenna, what's your biggest takeaway from what we saw in week one? Well, first off, I'm calling Brad out. The Raiders and the Ravens. Game not on the rundown. Do I get a defense? 
It's the same defense I already gave you. Yeah, I, it's a stupid defense. Yes, technically, I would talk about it at some point, but what if I have another takeaway? I'm going to have to move that to which rookie stood out, and the rookie that stood <laughs> out is only in relation to something else I wanted to talk about. So now... We'll get to the rookie. We have a rookie stood out most. You know. Yeah, well, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler it's alert. a tease. It's not a spoiler. It's a tease. No, I straight up said it. There was no tease. I straight up said <laughs> which rookie will stand out. Now, but you didn't um, give your answer. That, that's true. And it's an unrelated game to the Raiders-Raven game. So now I've now wasted an opportunity to talk about another team that did a good thing. To talk about my team, which I feel like should have just already had its own time. It should have had enough. its own piece. But let me get into it. So my biggest takeaway from week one is the Raiders have a defense-ish. A defense, <laughs> a defense-ish. And let me tell you why I say this. First off, that game was one of the craziest games I've ever seen as a Raiders fan. It was top five, probably top three best game I've ever seen as a Raiders fan. Granted, I'm 21 years old. The Raiders have been below 500 most of my life. So there haven't been that many exciting games. But the thing is, let's first just talk about what ended up happening. All right? The defense held up. The mm-hmm. defense turned, caused two turnovers, caused Lamar Jackson to lose the football two times, give the Raiders football back in dire situations both of the times. And... It was, it was just remarkable to watch because usually they crumble when it was kind of already frustrating because Lamar Jackson, it was, you know, probably less than two minutes, around two minutes. I think, yeah, it was during the two-minute two warning. The Ravens were driving. They were behind. They needed – it was a tie game. They needed to kick a field goal at least and run down the clock. Yep. So they were running the football. And I think an old Raiders defense – that drive ends in a touchdown. Yeah. Almost every single time. But it didn't. It ended in, you know, having Justin Tucker come out for the Ravens, and he's pretty good. Like, he's probably the best that that you're going to get. And he nails the field goal. And I was like, all right, at least it wasn't seven, and it gave Derek Carr an opportunity to throw the football. How they got into field goal range is really – I have no idea how that ended up happening. We go to overtime, right? And what a mess. What a mess. We get the ball. You know, the Raiders get the ball. And we, I keep saying we, and that's all right. I'm a, this, is a, this is a podcast for frustrated football fans <laughs> by two frustrated football fans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, Brian Edwards, the guy I've talked about a lot on this the podcast. Messiah. The Messiah. I really think that he is going to be better than Henry Ruggs, and I've been saying that. And I just, you know, like his build better for the NFL. And he ends up making a terrific catch, dives, no touchdown, but they're all celebrating. Then Derek Carr throws an interception. I'm going to get into this in fan frustration, how I feel about Derek Carr right now. But the thing is, when that happens, the defense, again. He throws a goal line interception. Goal liners, granted, like, it was Willie Sneed should have caught the ball. Like, Probably. I hands. think he threw it way too hard. He did. He threw he threw it a little too hard. Um, but if it touched, in like my book. Like, that's not a good ball. But in my book, it touches your hands. You should be able to catch it. You're a wide receiver. Okay. Kind of your job. Um, so, but the thing is, going back to the defense. So once this all happens, the defense whole, forces the fumble. And that is something, again, that would not have happened. Yeah, so just to circle back, I, the Raiders should have lost this game. Right? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that more, too. At the moment of the interception, 
like you lose, right? Yeah. Y- you have you're five yards away from a touchdown. One play later, the other team has the ball at the twenty, right? You you lose that game because at that point you're giving the ball to Lamar Jackson, former MVP, only needs his three points. Game over. And you're right. The defense stepped up in Carl a Nassib. big way. Carl Nassib, we've heard his name a lot this offseason. The first openly gay football player, I think, to win a game now is like the <laughs> new the new stat to record a you know a sack, a stri- you know a strip sack. He comes up huge for the Raiders. Yeah. And it was just it was just something to behold. Max Crosby getting some pressure, also with two sacks. The defense was was masterful for the Raiders. Like again, it was not it was not anything. Gave up twenty seven points. Gave up you know gave up twenty seven points. But you know what? I, you give up seventeen points going into the fourth quarter. That's not the best, but it's certainly not the worst. And that's all the Raiders really need is is really. give your offense a chance to win the game. That's and that's exactly what they did. The Raiders down 14 nothing to start this game. The defense keeps them in it. I mean, granted, 14 nothing. they still let up two touchdowns. One with, a, I think, like a 31-yard rush from, you know. The Ravens had some. They don't have any running backs. So some no-name guy, 31 yards on a fourth and one. That, you know, that can't happen. But it wasn't like Lamar Jackson tar- charged that in the field every single play. And scored a touchdown while Derek Carr and the offense were still trying to figure things out. So I talked about everything but the defense, but the defense. The defense didn't lose this game. If anything, it would have been the offense, and that I'm cool with that. Because the offense will figure it out. The offense is good. So that's my takeaway. The Raiders have a defense that is worth watching. That's a really big deal, by the way. I mean, it I, really is. Especially as as Jenna's friend, you know, to hear her week after week just say yeah I mean, we're a playoff team with a good defense you know yeah if you didn't trade away Mack, got some pressure on the quarterback <laughs> but but digressing digressing brad tell us what your takeaway was for week one how about them texans right tyrod taylor uh, rolling your eyes, why? I am. I think the Texans, I never liked the Texans. I'll, I know you don't like the Texans. I'll never be, like, pro-Texans. You know what? I used to think you your way, too. Now I don't. And I'll Now tell you're you a believer after beating the Jaguars. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Well, hold on, let's, hold on. Let's calm down. Let me explain, okay? First of all, if I told you on this podcast we're going to talk a court- about a quarterback from this game, who do you think it is? I think if I didn't know what you where you're going with this, I'm thinking Trevor Lawrence. We've got to talk about the rook. It's Trevor Lawrence who throws three touchdowns and three th- three interceptions. He was fine. Tyron Taylor goes out, throws two interceptions, rather two touchdowns, no interceptions, nearly 300 yards. And all this guy has done throughout his career, besides be the victim of a ridiculous injury that's not his fault and cost him a job, yeah. is prove people wrong. That's all he's done. And now he comes to Houston and puts up 37 points in his first game with all the noise surrounding Deshaun Watson, everyone saying, ah, the Texans are going to be the worst team in football. I was saying that too, by the way. Tyron Taylor shuts me up, shuts down everyone else's critic and uh, criticism and everything, and comes out and has a great game. And to me... 
this is just awesome. And, and I don't know if you heard David Cully after the game, but David Cully's another guy who was got, getting a lot of criticism without even doing anything in Houston. First-year head coach, and everyone's like, oh, why is he the head coach? He's only the head coach because of Deshaun Watson to try to keep Deshaun Watson there. He still wants to be traded. Oh, and by the way, you can't play him. So what's he really doing there? Yeah. Winning football games is the answer. Winning football and games. After the Get game, fired up, And Brad. after the game, he just said, you know, we expected to win this game. No one thought we would, but we went into this game thinking, okay, after the game, we will be 1-0. and And they are. And that's awesome. Biggest takeaway. Houston, how about that? There's still a lot to get to, though, because the Saints would be like takeaway 1B if Houston is takeaway 1A. They had themselves a big game. And if I told you we were going to talk about a quarterback from this game, <laughs> who did you think it was going to be? You thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers, but it's not. It is one, the one and only Jameis Winston and his five touchdown passes Crazy. with under 150 yards. But sure, five touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, two picks, 130 yards, and a sack. That must be... I'd love to do some research on That must be one of the worst stat lines he's had in his career. That's really bad. And <laughs> I think... I don't know what would happen if... This, if we didn't have the offseason that we did, because my natural thought process here is, well, that's what that's what you get for all the drama. You're not like that's what you get for all the drama. You're in a worse situation than you were before all of it. But let's say he's not contemplating Jeopardy. Let's say he's at camp. He plays in the last preseason game. You know, he does the normal routine. What do we say then? Then I think I'd be hitting the panic button even more yeah. if I'm a Packers fan. But props to the Saints. Nobody thought that Jameis Winston would be the guy. Drew Brees says, well, you know, I guess they found what they needed. Yeah. That that long that long ball. Because uh, now, you know, he made his debut, NBC debut as an analyst this week. Getting to see the Saints and his predecessor come in and light it up. I didn't think so. I think... Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback over Taysom Hill was the right call. And I think Jameis Winston needed this more than anybody. Yeah, he did. And he got to eat the dub. So that's exciting. Yeah. I will say this. I mean, five touchdowns. I don't want to take anything away from him. He threw the ball 20 times. Like, let's calm down, right? Yeah. It's not like. When you have Alvin Kamara, though. Like, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. So Alvin Kamara goes for just over four. Yards per carry, no touchdowns because Winston took all of them. I think I I see a very likely scenario where week two, Jameis Winston plays as well as he did week one and throws maybe one touchdown. Because it's just about what Sean Payton wants to do in the red zone, right? Yeah. So it's it's whatever, right? I mean, Jameis Winston played well. Aaron Rodgers didn't, and that's pretty cool. Second best performance by a Saints quarterback ever in terms of touchdowns thrown, Drew Brees with seven is number one. So I remember that game. Yeah. The seven touchdown game. So that was crazy. Uh, the Saints. The Saints just go answer, marching in. Just, yeah. I was gonna say it. <laughs> and just just to like answer your question, like I guess a little bit more, if this is what they're able to do against the Packers. Granted, again, there is a lot of offseason things that may they may not. They may need time to gel, but still, the Packers are the Packers, and you're able to do that. Drop 38 and only let up three. 
if they continue on this path, I think it's going to be a good year to be a Saints fan. All right, so can I say something that's going to make no sense, but I think holds true? Yeah, let's do it. The Packers are my Super Bowl pick going into the season. In a weird way, I feel more confident in that pick now. I can see it. We're going to run the table. Yeah, no, not Similar even run the vibe. table. Like, like Aaron Rodgers is going to say, relax, right? And and now it's going to light a fire under the Packers. They're going to have something to prove. They're going to bounce back. They're going to overcompensate. They're going to be good at football. <laughs> that would be the way. Similar to how you never give Tom Brady two minutes at the end of the fourth quarter and a t- enough time for a comeback, and we saw that in the Bucks cowboys game. Never give Aaron Rodgers motivation. Even yeah. if they go... I think it's ex- that point is especially accentuated if they go 0-2. If they drop next week's game, then... Because that happened to him before. They went 0-2 a couple years ago. And Meh. he was like, everybody chill. All right? We're going to do this thing. All right. Well, what do you do if you're relaxing for Green Bay? What do you do if you're Cleveland after a four-point loss on the road against Kansas City in a game that... I think a lot of people thought midway through they were going to win this game, and they were playing playing really, really good football. The Chiefs not so much. And what happens in the second half? The Chiefs outscore the Browns 23-7. Patrick Mahomes with the biggest regular season comeback of his career, and everyone's talking about Kansas City. But I ask you this, Jenna, because Cleveland showed a little something there. Who were you more impressed by, Kansas City or Cleveland? Easy. Cleveland. The, the Chiefs are going to do that every single time. They're going to do that every single day of the week. They're going to win regular season games no matter which, however the odds are stacked against them in the middle of the game, Patrick Mahomes is going to win regular season. It's very, again, the numbers. Just, they lose, they lost one, two games last year in the regular season. They just, it's just not what they do. So I think the fact that the Browns pushed them and had such an early lead. And the Browns have been able to compete with the Chiefs consistently now sure. for the second time. This is without Odo Beckham Jr. too. I think some of these AFC teams are starting to figure out the Chiefs' formula. I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of like the cheat code, though. Like yeah. I don't think like it matters that much. But I think if they do all of the right things, the way to beat the Chiefs is everything has to be perfect on your end. Mm. And he has to be a little less extraordinary. Mm. But, yeah, I expected the Chiefs to do that. Everyone's like, we get to see the Chiefs' new offensive line. And I was like, why is this a storyline? Can I tell you a secret? Who cares? They're going to kill it every time. Tell me a secret, please. I was more impressed with the Chiefs. No. Say it ain't so. I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, you got to win the game. You play to win the game, right? So Cleveland didn't do that. And you're right. The Chiefs have been outstanding in the regular season. What they haven't been is tested in the regular season, and they were. And at halftime, you would think, okay, losing the Super Bowl. I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, you lose the Super Bowl. Week one, you're playing a good football team in Cleveland. They are all over you. And maybe a little Super Bowl hangover, question mark? 10 points unanswered in the third, 13 points in the fourth, and the doubters are silenced. And look, doubters against Kansas City, with Kansas City not many doubters, fine, but I think there was a little brief moment where you're thinking, hold on here, Kansas City has never been tested like this. This is a good Cleveland team. They're going to win this game. And then they didn't. And Patrick Mahomes 
proved a little something that he wasn't in a position to prove earlier in his career. So I was more impressed with Kansas City. Agree to disagree. That's what we love to do here on the go for two. So nothing new. Regardless, though, whoever was more impressive, Arizona might have been more impressive than either one. They were outstanding against a really good Titans team at home, rather on the road in Tennessee. In my opinion, going into the season, there were three teams in the AFC. Buffalo, Kansas City, Tennessee. And now Arizona, who, in my opinion, going into the year, was a footnote of the NFC West. Really good team. Too bad they're in the NFC West. Might be the opposite because Kyler Murray had five touchdowns of his own in a 38-13 win, trouncing over the Titans. Are the Cardinals legit? I think you have to say yes, but the problem is... The division. You're still concerned about the division? I think the division should be concerned about Arizona. I think, that's the thing, I think everyone in the division should be concerned about everyone in the division. You have the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and of course I'm not going to be able to name the last one, the Rams. They all (laughs) They all won. They they all won and they all looked pretty good doing it. They all won. The 49ers played a a pretty bad Lions Lions team team and and they almost lost lost. at the end. But I think Jimmy G played... Pretty well. The 49ers played better than the score. That's for sure. Yeah. The Seahawks. With the Seahawks. A good win over Indy on the road. Yeah, I get it. I the get Rams. It. The Rams look good. Rams Matt, look really good. Matt Staff. So that's like the thing is you have a four and zero division. We both forgot about the Rams there for a second. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was like, who was the last team? Like Matt Stafford and the Rams yeah. looked phenomenal. Uh, granted, they're playing the Bears, and the they, Bears. they didn't. You know, the Bears really are sticking with Andy Dalton. But like, I think that's a problem because we have the AFC. Let's say the AFC West, for example, also four and zero. But I'm not thinking any of these teams could be, you know, could be in the Super Bowl. No, like the Chiefs. Like, that's it. It goes the Chiefs and then everybody else. But in this division, they're all locked in there. And I think Arizona's really good, but they might just get caught caught in there. But when you have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, you have Ron Moore, who they just drafted, you have J.J. Watt. You have Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Oh, my God. He was good. Sacks. No one's talking about that here, but that's cool, right? I mean, being Syracuse students, Chandler Jones was fantastic. And it's funny because I was watching this game with my roommate, Oscar, who's not a big football fan. And he goes, Chandler Jones is pretty good, right? Where did he go to school? And I just scream, Syracuse, right? Come on, man. And then, a th- and like three sacks later, I go, yeah, Chandler Jones is really good. And he's like, oh, yeah, he is good. I was like, yeah, he's also probably a Hall of Famer. So pay attention. And, and ah, man, Chandler I Jones. I almost forgot about it. I was talking offense, offense, offense. But we have to give that defense credit. That he's defense. Also, he's also 31. And he's still getting to the quarterback at a high level. Remarkable. But we have to talk about the defense just a little bit. Because, obviously, the five sacks, Taylor Lewan was worked by by Chandler Jones. But then they stopped who I would call the best running back in the league, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, to under, under 100 yards, 3.4 yard, uh, yards per carry. I'll take that any day of the week. If Derrick Henry gets 17 carries and he's under 60 yards, you've won the game. I don't even have to look at the other stats. You've won. That's it. That's it. And Tennessee, I still believe Tennessee's a really good team, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I think they're good, and I think the Ravens just outplayed well, when you compare, or the better team. When you compare the rest of the NFC West, and that's what you have to do when you ask, are the Cardinals legit? You look at the rest of the division. Okay. Yeah. 
we all agree that this is the best division in football, whatever. Let's look week by week. And it's hard to just go, oh, because of week one, fine. Let's go game by game in week one. 49ers, narrow win over Lions. We still think that they won by more than eight, which is the illustrated score. Fine. The Rams with a really good win over the Bears. Fine. What else is there, right? Arizona had the best win they did. of the NFC West. They did. And Hands down. So that's why if I'm the rest of the teams in the NFC West, I'm the ones that I'm shivering in the boots, right? Last year it was Arizona. saying, Oh, man, how are we going to keep up with the Seahawks? How are we going to keep up with the 49ers? No. I actually think that the tables have flipped. All right, a new... A new super team. That's how I I saw her. Oh, I heard it described by Katie Nolan in her podcast this week. Always drawing inspiration. It's never and never an episode that I don't draw inspiration. But the they have a lot of pieces. They signed almost everybody, and um, now they're the team that's making it worth it. Did we even see AJ Green? Oh yeah, he played. He played. I wasn't sure. But oh no, had- AJ. Yeah, he had two catches, twenty five yards. Yeah, he's fine. Which. What, six what, did, what, did, what did Julio do? Two catches, six targets. Not great. Uh, Julio, he was fine too. We, we had the battle catches. of like the once really good yeah. wide receivers who are kind of on the downtick. AJ Green's been on the downtick for a bit. But. Julio was fine. Three catches, just under 30 yards, six targets, whatever. But he was fine. The point is, you're right. The Cardinals. Rondell Moore had stay. four catches, 68 yards, and now he's in his first year coming from Purdue. He was an impressive rookie, though, Jenna. He was. Who was the most impressive rookie from week one? That is a fantastic question, Brad. I have to say, because I want to talk about the Eagles win over the Falcons, Yeah. I'm going to say Devonta Smith. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It was, I think, I, I want to talk about them because I think Jalen Hurts did a great job as the starting quarterback and kind of silenced some people as well. But he had his old buddy. Yeah, He had his old buddy, and we saw that connection early. I was watching this game, and the touchdown pass was one that needed a lot of chemistry. It was one of those, you know, fade fade passes that, yet, you know, Devonta Smith had to beat his defender and time it perfectly, and it was a great touchdown. He ends up with 71 yards, six receptions, so it's 11.8 uh, yards a reception. That's pretty good in your first game. After a preseason that I wasn't too impressed with, I didn't think he did anything super special. But that's what's exci- that was excite that was one of the things that was exciting about this draft. There were so many players with connections to quarter- starting quarterbacks yeah. already that I don't know. I just think that's so cool when you can run it back. You saw Joe Burrow and Jamar Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Thank you. I was like, I have the name. It's like in my head. Jamar Chase. They connected for a big gain, and did I? Uh, did I take something of yours? I see oh, yeah. I mean, I'm like, Chase, I see you have the Vikings yeah. so, <laughs> Bengals okay, so Jamar up, Chase is, is my rookie that stands out most. And and look, like he did have the 50-yard touchdown catch. That inflated his stats, five catches, 101 yards. I'm not going to take anything away from Jamar Chase because he had a 50-yard catch. Oh, yeah. Some people would be like, oh, well, uh, without that one catch, then what's his day? You can't do that. That was a great catch. And that, that was the exclamation mark on a great day and a great reunion with his old college teammate, Joe Burrow. And the thing, the reason that Jamar Chase is the right answer for which rookie stood out the most over Devontae Smith, and by the way, Devontae Smith would be my second choice. 
there were rumors that Jamar Chase couldn't yep. catch footballs. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, you're, you're right with that. Remember the that happened? The, the preseason rumblings were not great around uh, Jamar Chase and so Joe the, Burrow. So the, I'm at, this, is, this could only happen. See, this is a Jets thing. The only difference is it would be true for the Jets. Like the Jets draft a receiver, fifth overall, all of a sudden he forgot how to catch a football, and now he can't. The difference is the rumor was that Chase could not catch footballs, and now he can. So that's a big deal. It goes fifth overall on the Bengals. Not missing Panay Sewell right now. Brian Hudnell very happy. Yeah, we had to bring Brian. We should have gotten, you know, like maybe a little voice memo action. Yeah. Maybe if the Bengals are doing something special over there in Cincy, maybe we'll have to have Brian on the show just for him to get super excited. Big win for them just in general. Overtime, at home. Over Minnesota, that's a that's a cool moment for Cincinnati. It's pretty good, especially because you have Joe Burrow coming back. That's yeah. how you want to start. You want to start with a win. Brad, what was trending? Let's get in. Let's get into some of the more intimate details of our week one. Yeah, so Odell Beckham Jr., like I alluded to before, he was sitting week one for the Browns' loss to. Kansas City, and you can make the argument that they would have won with OBJ. I don't think that's necessarily true, but he's definitely important to what Cleveland wants to do. Now he's out for week two, and Kevin Stefanski had Odell Beckham Jr. as a game-time decision in week one, not a game-time decision in week two. Two interpretations to this. The sadistic one, not the sadistic, pessimistic one, that's mine, Or the common one. The common one is he had a setback in practice. There have been no reports of setbacks in practice. All there is is Odell Beckham Jr. game time decision out, and then Odell Beckham Jr. out. Straight up. I think Kevin Stefanski is seeing the schedule. Texans week two. Disrespecting Tyrod Taylor again. (laughs) Don't make that mistake, Kevin Stefanski. And he's saying, nah, we're going to keep our blue chip receiver for the important games, the dog days of the season. I think it's interesting. No no more Odell Beckham Jr. for the first two weeks. And by the way, let me go out on a limb and say Houston will win this game. Wow. I don't think Houston wins this game. Don't doubt Tyrod Taylor. That's what he does. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, I'll take them over anybody. Almost anybody, especially the dumpy Texans. I'm sorry. You're getting a little too hype over a win over the Jaguars. Don't doubt him. That's what he, his job description is. Don't be doubted. That's what he does. All right, let's go back to the Raiders Ravens game. That's where my, that's where my what was trending sure starts. So, like we mentioned, I kind of outlined it very poorly. The Raiders win the overtime toss, elect to receive as any logical person would, and they march down the field. Derek Carr's firing passes to receivers and Darren Waller. Just, you know, doing the Lord's work. Just working down the field. Brian Edwards. Great catch. Again, if you haven't seen it, great catch. Lunges towards the end zone. Didn't punch it across the line. Yeah. Derek Carr comes the next play, tries to run it in, gets stuffed. Then throws a bullet to Willie Sneed, who just can't. It was a little too hard. Can't end up being an interception. So at that point, a Ravens fan in Allegiant Stadium. Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders' new stadium, having their inaugural season part two because fans are now welcomed. So this Ravens fan has the audacity 
to go and jump into the pool right after this happens. So just like the Raiders kind of prematurely celebrated, it <laughs> the same thing happened. He was like, oh my gosh, we have Lamar Jackson. We have Tucker. We can win this with a field goal. Like, that's all we need. This Raiders defense historically sucks. Yep. We won this game. I'm jumping in the pool. We're in Vegas. Idiot. <laughs> Some Idiot. of the other pools he could Idiot. have chosen, right? MGM has one. Idiot. <laughs> Idiot. But granted, he the Raiders should, like you said earlier, the Raiders should have won that game, but just got a little too ambitious. But think about it. You're in a stadium with hundreds, thousands of Raiders fans being <laughs> super loud all night and probably weren't the most gracious when they thought that Brian Edwards scored that touchdown. Yeah. So the, they were already already revved up, those Ravens fans, to do something big. And what's bigger than just basically stomping on the grave? Let's go jump in the pool. Now you have to go walk home all sopping wet. Yeah. Because your quarterback, your former MVP, couldn't get it done. Oof, that would sting. All right, we're already in the Raiders' that, That's stuff. the thing, by the way. Like, yeah. That's why I don't like pools. Because you have to dry off afterwards. <laughs> what a hassle. What a hassle. That's why I don't like the beach. You got to dry off. Like, I do a- like the beach. Yeah, this is that was an absurd take. You just don't say you don't like no, the No, 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 because You're the saying beach. you don't like the pool because you don't like the water. No, it's not even that. First of all, I'm not a big chlorine guy. Uh, there we go. That's a legitimate That's reason. That's a legitimate thing. I, I will bite the bullet on being wet and having to dry off at the beach because it's the beach. It's it's a, it's more of a reward. It's It's more of an outtake. Being at the beach. I'll take the pool every single day. Of the Over week. the beach? Every single day. Oof. The beach is sandy. Yeah, that's it's the point. Like, I know, but it gets, like, it gets everywhere. You can't throw a frisbee at the pool. That's fine. I don't need to throw a frisbee. I just want to go in there and go Also, don't like swim. to swim. See, I'm a Floridian. We grew. Up, we learned how to swim early because there's pools everywhere, so you got to know how to swim. So I, I know how to swim. I don't like to swim. And if I'm in a pool, odds are I'm bored unless I have a tennis ball and someone to throw it to. True. I'm, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I'm also, I can go for a good toss in the pool. Yeah. All right. Let's stick with the Raiders, and we'll even throw in the Jets. It's time for Fan Frustration. Cue the music. Fan <gasps> Frustration. We're back, and we're still talking Raiders. I'm going to keep this one. Derek Carr, come on, man. Come on. I don't think that I've ever been in a game, or been in a game, been watching a game, because usually the defense is the problem, where I've said, Derek, so many times. I just scolded Derek? him. I go, Derek, What's his what middle name? are we doing? I don't Do know, know his, his middle I name. I don't know his middle name. You I'm can look it up it if, you. Like, if yeah. you like. But I was like, Derek. What are we doing? He started this game just horrible. Derek Dallas Carr. Oh, what wow. are you doing? Dallas. I didn't know. His son, his uh, oldest son is named Dallas. So that's where that came from. Little fun facts. I Derek know. Dallas, you get upstairs right now. I will turn this car around right now. <laughs> that's how I was. I was basically scolding Derek Carr because he was just not playing well in the beginning. Down 14 nothing. The offense couldn't get anything going. He kept throwing the ball to Darren Waller, 
And they were just not on the same page to start the game. And John Gruden said they threw it to Darren Waller so many times because he's the best player that Dar- Dar- that John Gruden has ever coached. Fair, but come on. Like, what was going on? What was happening? Throwing that interception, you got Did he say you best player I've ever coached? Yeah. That's a big compliment. It's he's a big compliment. He's coached so he's, many guys. Yeah, but Darren Waller's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's that's pretty a crazy. compliment, yeah. It was just a complete disaster off the top. And I was in class, and everyone knew I was wearing my Raiders hat and my Raiders shirt, and everyone knew that it was a big game for me, and I was really worried. I was really worried because I was like, I'm going to have to come back next week and face these people, and they're going to have to see what a travesty the offense was. And the defense, we're really gonna suck. Cause I was on, I was on the train. I told, I said last week that the Raiders were gonna win this game. Okay. Cause they win this game almost, again. They, I didn't say this on the podcast yet, but I think they've won four out of their last five openers, and probably like the first week or the first year with Gruden, they probably lost that opener because they sucked, like really, like really sucked. Um, so, like I was expecting this win, but in the beginning, I was like, what? You guys are going to, well, we're going to be bad. Like, I never <laughs> thought we were going to be bad. I thought we were going to be better than people expected. Sure. Because that's what we do. And then we'll fall off later. But they were just, like, the offense was just horrendous. And I literally said to myself, oh, my gosh. This is supposed to be, the like, the good part. <laughs> like, this is going to be hell. I just got tickets to go see them in week 17. Yeah. It's a long flight. It's a long flight. That is a birth. That is a birthday weekend kind of it's by my birthday closest date to my birthday so that's how i'm gonna start the year 22 with a raiders loss to the broncos in week 17 after they go two and whatever no not the way to start i was i was highly highly annoyed but we're back Derek, figure it out my guy it needs to be consistent throughout we're not throwing that interception but i highly encourage you this has a good Derek carr ending note if you haven't on twitter yet there's a video, um, I forgot who tweeted it out. I retweeted it. If you go to my Twitter, at Alike Jenna, you will plug. see. Yeah, you got to plug it sometimes. You'll see that, um, just watch Derek Carr's post-game interview. It is something, he just changed his approach completely, and he he was phenomenal. Hmm? He was phenomenal. And people, that's how I saw it. What was it? The tweet was like, the entire, oh yeah, Marty Smith. This entire two minutes is leadership personified and it was a great post game interview so Derek I love you but I'm gonna need you you know it's like when a parent disciplines their child right it's out of Derek love Dallas? It's, <laughs> it's out of love but it's still annoying so tell me you also Did got you ever some get a, a Jenna middle name I don't think my middle name was used that much no no that was not a thing in my house. Yeah, it wasn't like... My brother hated his middle name so much that if my parents used that, he would be the one that was yelling at them. Oh, wow. That's where it was. Wow. I'll tell you after. All right. Tell, <laughs> tell me off, Pod. If I said that on the internet, I could you imagine the repercussions? You. I think oh, he would kill you. Yeah. It'd be, be bad. I'd, yeah. All I'd, right. You got a quarterback, bad. Brad. Yeah. Zach Wilson needs some help. Needs some help badly. Had six sacks in his debut. And the frustrating thing is, he's the replacement to Sam Darnold. And look, he was pretty good in the second half. I'm I'm pretty happy with my quarterback right now. He's the replacement of Sam Darnold. 
Sam Darnold is no longer with the Jets because he didn't have help. And now, in his debut, Zach Wilson throwing from his rear end, taking six sacks, and his growth literally stunted in front of our eyes in week one. There's not much to say besides this is, right now, we're on pace, we're on track, and so far away from, but this is the first domino to fall of a repeat of Sam Darnold. And Zach Wilson cannot be a repeat of Sam Darnold. Just can't be. This is the second quarterback we've drafted in the top five, top three, in five years? Less. Four? It's been within the number zero and five. <laughs> yeah. So you just can't, you just, your franchise cannot afford another Sam Darnold situation where he is not the quarterback you thought he would be because you didn't surround him with non-quarterback pieces that are more attainable. Get your boy Zach Wilson some help. That's all I could say. Okay, Zach Wilson and the Jets have a big game in Week 2, but there are even bigger games to preview, and that's what we're doing right here as the Gopher 2 podcast hits the home stretch. Jenna, the Raiders at the Steelers, two teams that had some really big wins in Week 1. Some would say some surprise wins. On the Raiders' end, Jenna would disagree, but who do you like in this game? Try not to be biased. I'm not going to be biased. I think the Steelers are going to win this game. Unfortunately, obviously, as a Raiders fan, I think, you know, I'm excited about what's happening. But they do this every year. They'll be 6-3 and and then lose six out of the next seven. To get to 6-3, and And, you got to win six games first, and this is the second one right here. Yeah, again... (laughs) The thing is, so there's the stat, the the first, uh, they won, they win home openers, right? And I'm like, uh, what if we like, lost it and really tried something different and like <laughs> tried to like move upward instead of moving upward and then not even plateauing, just completely crashing. But I think the Steelers defense, I think the Steelers defense is, unless, if the Raiders get off of, get off to a slow start, it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be a long day. Fair enough, but if it's going to be an offensive battle, it's a shootout, then the Raiders can compete. Oh, if it's a shootout, I'll take I'll take Derek. Because I think it could be a shootout with the way the Steelers try to play right now, and the defense is really good, but the offense, meh. You know, they throw the ball a lot, so just be ready to defend the pass. I think it'll be fine. I think the Raiders are going to be very close, and they're going to have chances to win this game. I don't know if they do but they're going to have a very real opportunity. I'll take the Steelers, too, in a close one. Chiefs at Ravens. Mahomes-Jackson, who do you like? It's really hard to say that the Ravens are going to be 0-2 after this week. But? But I'm going to say that they're going to be 0-2 yeah. after this week. The, the Chiefs, again, I'll bet on the Chiefs every single time. The Chiefs are winning this one. I, I'm not going to say that the Ravens are done, because they're not. They're but not. It does feel like there's an expiration date on a championship window, like, Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, they don't win the Super Bowl. And the whole thing with the Ravens has been, you know, you got to win some playoff games, right? And they finally did that last year, but <sighs> they've had their chances so many times. I wonder if this is the beginning of the end of the Ravens. I am going to take the Chiefs in Week 2, but I am going to keep a close eye on what the Ravens do beyond because I think it's starting to get a little old. Lamar Jackson trying to do it himself, fumbling twice, Big fumbles week one. Can he do it on his own? I don't know. 
Get him a receiver at all. The the end of the offseason, brutal for the Ravens. Yeah. They lost everybody in the backfield to help them out. Yeah. All right, last one, Titans at Seahawks. I still think the Titans are a really good team. The Seahawks proved it last week. Who do you think is going to win? It's tough to say now the Titans are going to go start 0-2. They really need that Arizona Cardinals win because they think that the Seahawks are trying to keep up with every you know the very competitive yeah. the very competitive division they also impressed i think the only team within that division that might be outside of that is the 49ers just cuz they were like a little bit a little bit shaky toward the end in the Detroit game but they the Seahawks need this win more to keep up with what they're working with i think in the AFC South the Titans will be just fine I just don't think this is their week. I don't think they bounce back. I actually kind of think that this is a big game, borderline, borderline must win for both sides. Yeah. Like, this is this game is as close as it gets to a must win for both teams in week two. The Titans can't start 0-2 and be expected to compete for an AFC title. They just can't, right? And the Seahawks, like you mentioned, the NFC West is going to catch up to you before you catch up to it. Yeah. So you can lose it. A lot quicker than you can win it, and Seattle needs to keep up, especially with a game like against Tennessee, hosting Tennessee. They got to take care of their home field. I like I like the Titans though, because I don't think that te- that Tennessee is going to start 0 two. I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach, and I think Julio Jones is going to have a big game, a little breakout performance in his second game Let's as a it. Titan. All right, so you like the Seahawks? I do. Like I the like Seahawks. the Titans. That's the only game that we disagree with. All right, we got to disagree a little bit. It's week two action. Just gave you a little bit of a, you know, the spattering of what we find interesting. Obviously, there's a lot more games and a lot more to talk about, but that's where we're going to end it here today. If you want to listen to this episode, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you just love go for your podcast. On Spotify, you're going to have to work. A, a podcast for frustrated football fans. Buy two frustrated football fans is the tagline you'll need to type in. We also have our Spotify linked on our Twitter, and that is the link that we tweet out. So if Spotify is your preferred method, we do make that pretty easy for you. Also, have a you have a question, comment, concern, want us to talk about your team more at the Sorry, I just completely forgot the email. Email us at the go for the number two pod at gmail.com. Go for the number two pod at gmail.com. No the yeah, no the. Look at this. I knew all the things except for the email because no one emails us and no one ever answers it. <laughs> and I just completely just like blanked. And there was a lot of nice audible silence. Fair enough. Audible silence. That is a oxymoron. But all right. So now that we've gone through a grammar lesson, Jenna's forgotten an email and we talked about football. That's the end. We will talk to you guys next week. At some point, again, we're keeping it fluid over here, but always before the next week of action. We'll see you.